Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have a few things we're going to talk about. Um, first of all, we we now know who is nominated and on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame Class of 2023. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, a couple buffs on there. Um, I want to talk about Tad Boyle starting his run with the USA men's U18 national team. Their first game is at 4.30 today. Um, I wish I wish I, I... I bet the information had to be out there, but I didn't realize um, in time in time for the last podcast. Now, obviously, you're, you have a small window to listen to this podcast and know what's happening. I tweeted it out. Um, but there are more games on the way, of course. It isn't just one game. Uh, they do start today. That's Monday at uh, 4.30 Mountain Time against the Dominican Republic. They'll play tomorrow, that's June 7th, and then again on June 8th, which is Wednesday, um, next against Ecuador and then Puerto Rico. Um, Those games are both at 4.30 as well. So 4.30 this week, we're tuning in to check out Tad's U18 squad um, so, so there's some info there. Oh, and all of the games in this tournament are going to be streamed by FIBA. So if you go to youtube.com slash FIBA, or I bet if you just go to YouTube and search FIBA right there, F-I-B-A. Um, so we're digging into that as well. And then, uh, this one, this is a fun little, uh, DM I got on Twitter today. Um, and actually a conversation I had with somebody else too. Um, but, but basically with the news coming, um, that it's likely we're going to get a new uh, owner of the Denver Broncos here in the, the very near future. Um, odds are it's going to be Rob Walton, who has a ridiculous amount of money. I think he's like the 22nd wealthiest American. Uh, he would easily be the wealthiest NFL owner, and that's a group of guys with a lot of money. Um, so that's, that's big time. But uh, I want to dig in because... If he does decide to use all that money to buy the Broncos and then to build a stadium, I want to talk about a scenario in which the Broncos could play at Folsom. Now, it's super far-fetched and crazy unlikely, uh, but fun conversation, right? I mean, it's it's, it's June. What else are we going to do here? Uh, so there is your plan for today. I'm excited. I'm also excited to get down to the DMVR bar tonight. I guess I should plug that as well. Um, just had some Buffs friends down on uh, Saturday for the last game, uh, and tonight is going to be an even bigger party. Uh, I was going to go to the store and buy a broom. 
I already have a broom. Look at me. I'm pretty proud of that one. Um, didn't realize I had it, so I don't know if that changes things any at all. But, uh, yeah, bringing the brooms down to the DMVR bar and watching the Avs finish the sweep. <sighs> yeah, I've talked about this part as well, but uh, I'm a season ticket holder. Specifically because they're so good, it just makes sense to. Like, I wind up selling more than half of the tickets during the season just because I'm busy, you know. I do have a job, in case you haven't heard, where I have to work a lot of nights and weekends. Um, but the, you actually sell them for more than you get them for, typically. Plus, you get discounts in the playoffs. So I've got $50 a seat for these Stanley Cup playoffs, and I'm pretty fired up. I bought the extras. I can buy up to four more total tickets per round. Hoping my parents can come down, seeing who else wants them. But I blew a bunch of money on Stanley Cup tickets this morning. Again, I'm not... Not upset about it, but it just became very real that I'm going to watch that. And secondly, I'm a little bit broke. I'm a little bit broke at the moment, at least for for now. We'll we'll see a week from now. I mean, if they, I will also say this: if the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, I am going to be a wealthy man. I'm going to be a wealthy man. I might be able to buy the Broncos. Honestly, I don't know that I could fund a, a stadium, but I could buy the Broncos at least. So, uh. There we go. I think that's enough nonsense. Might as well dig in. And we can start with the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, the, the big news here, of course, is that there are two buffs on the ballot. First, you've got Joe Garton, who was a guard back in the 80s and then into 1990. He was a team captain on the national championship team. Uh, two-time first-team All-American. I believe two-time first-team. Let me double-check that. Uh, no, no. He was unanimous All-American twice, and then his senior year, unanimous first team. Um, still very impressive. Captain on the championship team. Um, has a decent shot. Also, Matt Russell. He came through just a little bit later, um, but Buckus Award winner, consensus All-American, all that sort of stuff. Still the leader in unassisted tackles. Those are the two Buffaloes who will be on the ballot. The voting ends on June 30th, so we'll have, I don't know if they'll announce it right away, but but... I would guess at some point in July, probably early July, we'll get an idea of who's going to be headed to the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, should say, Rashawn Salam, he's going to be inducted in December. He's part of the class of 2022. Uh, he will be the 10th Buffalo in the College Football Hall of Fame. He'll join Bill McCartney, Byron White, we like to call him Wizard around here, Joe Romig, Bobby Anderson, Dick Anderson, Alfred Williams, John Wooten, Herb Orvis, and Michael Westbrook. So 10 with Salam, potentially up to 12. Um, I'm actually not sure which school has the most All-Americans. That would have been good to check. It also would be very difficult to check, it feels like. Um, but Buffs have a chance. Buffs have a chance. Now, to put their odds in perspective here, there's... There's basically four groups of people who get nominated. There's FBS players, there's FBS coaches, there's other division players, and there's other division coaches. Um, typically, there's 10 to 20 players total from both divisions, from, from all over, t total players. College football players at any level, 10 to 20 that get in each year. Then there's usually like three or so coaches that get in every year. Um, I think, you know, just looking through, oh, I deleted it. it was, I, th I think it was like 18 players last year, 11 the year before that, 17 before that, 10 before that, but, but something in that range. Um, there are 176 players 
who are candidates this time around, 80 of them are FBS players. So I think a pretty safe estimate here is that about 12 FBS players will wind up going to the College Football Hall of Fame in this class. And like I said, there's 80 total. So 12 of 80. A little bit better than a 1 in 8 chance for those of you who really suck at math. If that was helpful, I mean, I don't know. Read a book. But that's a, again, that's a solid chance. That's a really solid chance. Um, I, I don't know a lot about the selection process and who gets in and who doesn't get in and all those sorts of things. But I can say that I trust John Wilner about pretty much anything. And one of the things that he had to say today was that the number one criteria for the College Football Hall of Fame induction is being a first-team All-American by a recognized selector. And he said also that that's why Junior Seau is not in, or probably one of the big reasons. So with the first-team All-American by a, a major selector, um, so I believe, I think there's three three All-American teams that really matter. I think it's the AP. I think like the football writers have one. And is there like coaches? Is there USA Today? I can't remember. Um, but I believe it's three big ones. And you're unanimous if all three say first team. You're a consensus if two of the three say so. And you're just an All-American, first team All-American, um, if one of them do. So what he's saying is if one of those three say you're first team All-American, you're in good shape. Um, the fact that you have Matt Russell, who's a consensus All-American, so two two of them chose him um, in 1996. On top of that, Buckus Award winner. Seems like that'd be in good shape. Uh, Joe Garton, uh, two-time unanimous All-American. He's also unanimous first-team All-American. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, I think that there's a lot to like on both the resumes. Obviously, uh, I guess it, not obvious because I didn't say this. It takes 10 years before you're eligible to go to College Football Hall of Fame. So you have to be out of the game, out of college football for 10 years. Um, so this isn't their first time on the ballot. You know, the, the fact that they've been passed over in the past, not a good sign. And uh, I think the, the other real piece of the puzzle here is the competition, of course. You know, who, who else is on the table? And there's some big first time... Oh, I should... There's one other criteria to be... Um, so 10 full seasons removed... Oh, oh, and they have to be, they have to be first team All America, to, they have to. Interesting. So I'm not sure why Ryan Leaf is a first time candidate. He wasn't coaching in college ten years ago, was he? Maybe I'm an idiot. Definitely wasn't playing. Um, huh. We'll just let that go and trust this ESPN story, which says first-time candidates. You've got uh, Ryan Leaf, as I mentioned. You've got Alex Smith. you got Tim Tebow. Have, have to imagine Tim Tebow makes the cut for the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Justin Blackman, receiver from Oklahoma State. Uh, Rocky Kalmus, Count Kalmus, I'm not even sure, uh, from Oklahoma, linebacker. Uh, running back Kijana Carter from Penn State. Michael James from Oregon. We know him around here. Uh, Luke Keekley. That's another one you know. D'Angelo Williams, Dewey Selman. So, 
there's there's probably what four guys in there, four first ballot guys, maybe more, and I'm just oblivious. You know, again, like I was mostly an NFL NFL guy up until the last few years. Um, so maybe I'm. I mean, I'm sure that Kijana Carter is really good. It's just that that's not a name that I have stored, which is probably losing credibility right now. But it doesn't matter. Um, and then there's other guys who aren't first timers who have a good chance. You know, Reggie Bush, Tim Couch is on the list. Warwick Dunn, Dwight Freeney, Ray Lewis. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are some big names, and I wonder why some of them aren't. Others like Reggie Bush. It's like okay, there's. Here's the bullshit that always comes up with Reggie Bush where there was the payment and whatever and nobody really cares except for potentially the people who vote on these sorts of things because they're probably super old would be my guess. Oh, and, and it's probably worth saying. The voters, 12,000 National Football Foundation members and current Hall of Famers. So, again, that skews, skews older. Skews older. Um, do do do. Is that all the information we have here? I think that's basically everything I wanted to get to. Before we get into the other stuff, real quick, on uh, Tad Boyle with the US U18 FIBA team. It's always tough to figure out what exactly. There's a lot of names, and you have to remember the order, which ones are important, all that stuff. But uh, he is down now in Tijuana. That's where this tournament's being held. Um, as I mentioned before, there's three games upcoming the next few days. I think after that is when they get into like your bracket. Now, this is all seeding and that sort of thing, uh, preliminary games. As I mentioned, they play at 4.30 each of the next few days. And again, this isn't the, the biggest CU buff story. But first of all, congrats to Tad once again on getting this job. It's a great gig. You know, Billy Donovan held it down. Shockish Smart. Um, Bill Self, I think, was the last coach. The guys who've gotten to do this are uh, some some big name dudes, and and this is a huge step for Tad, and so happy for him. I'm proud of him. As you know, as it sounds so weird to. I'm 25. He's 60. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guess on a man's age and give him like five extra years. We're gonna Google that real quick. But um, yeah. The the one big news. Oh, he's 59. I was wrong. See, I don't feel bad. Uh, not 60 until January, but uh, again, shout out to Tad. This is an interesting opportunity because it gets you in touch with a bunch of different people. Um, he's brought up how cool it is to get to work with these other coaches. You know, uh, uh, Tommy Lloyd. Wow, that took me too long to remember. Tommy Lloyd down at uh, at Arizona. He's one of the assistants. Or no, he was working at the uh, the, the camp, the training camp. He was like a court coach. Um, but Leon Rice from Boise State. Uh, Mike Boynton Jr., the Oklahoma State coach. Um, cool to work with them, but also 12 upcoming really talented basketball players. Um, obviously, all under the age of 18. I think that the cutoff was in the past, so some of them are already 18. Um, of the 12 who are on the roster, only three are still uncommitted. Um, and those three are... Let's see, uh, Eric Daly Jr. He's a six foot six forward from IMG. Um, he graduates from high school this year and still hasn't chosen, so it seems like the Buffs probably missed the boat on him. There's a center, a six foot nine center from Oklahoma City, Brandon Garrison. He's a part of next year's recruiting class. He is still uncommitted. And uh, then you have, I could swear there was one more. Am I, is it only two? 
Yeah, it looks like it's only two. I could swear there were three. The rest of them, though, are committed. Um, an Oregon commit in there. Uh, a few Villanova commits. What is that? One, two. I thought there was more than that as well. Uh, but then the typical, like, Illinois, North Carolina, Duke, uh, another North Carolina, uh, UConn, Stanford, Arkansas. So two things. First of all, if you can land the the one guy in next year's class who is uncommitted, Awesome. That'd be a huge pickup. Uh, Brandon Garrison, I'm going to pull up his 24-7 sports page. I'm sure that he's very highly rated if he's playing on the U18 team. Um, but you have to remember, in the modern world of college sports, just because you're committed somewhere does not mean that's where you're going. Um, first of all, any of these guys could decide to flip their commitment. It does seem like about half of them, probably probably more than half, graduate next year. Um, with a few who graduate this year. Um, so could they decide to flip their commitment? Absolutely. On top of that, I would guess that of these 12, four wind up in the transfer portal. I'd say four of them are one and dones. Four of them write it out. Let's say five of them play more than one year at the same school and don't transfer. Three of them wind up in the transfer portal. I kind of want to make that 444 again now. I feel like 444 is probably a good answer. Um and when those guys are in the transfer portal, that's where I really think that you're going to get the leg up being their coach in this tournament. Um, so so we'll watch it. Keep maybe an extra eye on Brandon Garrison. Um, I'm actually not even sure. Yeah, it doesn't look like Colorado's offered him. But he does have offers to, you know, Kansas and Texas and some, some big-name schools in there. The number 61 player in next year's class by the composite ranking, number 7 center, top player in Oklahoma, which... I mean, it's Oklahoma. But, uh, yeah, there we go. There's your information there. Um, odds are he's not going to coach the U19 team next year. The way this tournament works is you you finish top four in the Americas tournament this year. Then next year you get to play in the World Cup, which is somewhere in Europe. I can't remember where exactly. Um, and that turns into a U19 team because, obviously, everybody's a year older. In the past, they haven't had the same guy coach both. I think Billy Donovan did it back in like 2010, 2011, and then 2012 came back with the U18 team. Um, but other than that, they've had somebody else coach the the World Cup team. Uh, so who knows? Maybe Tag gets that opportunity. Maybe he doesn't. We're rooting for him, though, and hopefully they finish in the top four. Hopefully they win. I mean, it's the United States in a basketball tournament. Hopefully they win. Um, and we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be tuned into that, and hopefully you are too. Uh, before we get into what I think might be the most fun conversation of the day, we got a couple of our friends that I want to talk about. Rooting for them, pulling for them, maybe even campaigning for them. Why not? Might as well try. Um, and like I said, you know, 12 out of 80 is, is probably a, a good starting point. That's about 15%. 15% on the dot. Um, I mean, it's probably close to 10% for those two just because they've been on the ballot, and there's a couple others who are locks. Um, but we'll see. We're pulling for them. Um, we're going to get into this Broncos stuff and a wild theory that I wish wasn't so wild because it'd be so much fun. Um, first, though, Ripple is a fast-acting dissolvable that's clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Uh, starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every single time. Uh, you can make anything inedible with Ripple dissolvables. They're flavorless, they're odorless, they're dissolvable. 
You just pour them in your food. You pour them in your drinks. You, you put it straight on your tongue if you want, and it'll work the fastest. Um, it's not sketchy science. The, the speed of absorption, it was studied by Colorado State University in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people, and the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. Damn it. Uh, if you want to check out Ripple, go to Colorado's premier dispensary. That's Light Shade with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum location is now open. It's a block off of Sixth and Federal. It's the biggest location, or it's the biggest Light Shade store with specialty products that are not offered at other locations. Uh, podcast listeners can get 12% off all non-sale items with the code DMVR. Shop online at Lightshade.com for pickup, or visit a Light Shade location near you. Also, Breckenridge Brewery. Bet you can't guess where this one's going. Uh, I am headed out to the DMVR bar tonight, as I noted earlier. And guess what I'll be doing? Drinking Breckenridge beers like I do when I'm there. Um, it's uh, it, it's great beers. It's the, the Avalanche is perfect. Speaking of the Avalanche, they're actually gifting Avs tickets to a pair of community stars for uh, the Stanley Cup Finals games. These are tough tickets to get. I, I know I told you before that I had a path to get them. Resale market, last I checked. Actually, I bet there's probably more now. We'll, we'll look live while I talk. Always goes great. Um, Breckenridge, though, is giving away a pair of them to community stars for the home games, like I said. Uh, all you got to do, you, you nominate a stellar community member um, who is also an Avs fan who should get a chance to go to the playoff game. Um, and that you, of course, will uh, get tickets, gear, and the Avalanche Amber Ale. Uh, Breckenridge is also donating a portion of all proceeds of sales of the Avalanche Ale to the Community Fund Boulder County to benefit Marshall Fire victims. Uh, visit breckbrew.com to nominate a community star and send them to an Avs playoff game. Uh, I guess there's there's a link there. I don't think it's a good idea for me to just read a link. HTTPS colon. I believe that's forward slash. No, it's backslash. That's backslash. Backslash, backslash, www.breckbrew.com slash backslash blogs slash breck dash gives dash back dash community dash stars. You can find it on their website. And just looking now for the first game, you can get a pair of tickets with fees for eighteen ninety eight, about 900 bucks a piece. Whew, that's steep. So instead, nominate somebody. Nominate yourself. I'm not ashamed to support that. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery doing great stuff, as always. And finally, DraftKings Sportsbook. If you haven't bet on the Avs to win the Stanley Cup yet, you, you're not going to get as good odds as you could have you know, a week ago or two weeks ago or a year ago. But you still get good odds compared, like when you consider the fact that the Avalanche are the best team that's ever existed I, oh, that's what i'm gonna say uh bet on the abs but also if you're a new user you can bet on any game of the nba finals you put five dollars down and you'll immediately get 150 dollars in free bets it's an awesome way to start your account it is for new users and like i said like it, it's a very simple process and you can even bet all that stuff on the same game if you want and potentially start your account off Great. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals. You'll get $150 in free bets instantly. It's promo code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 
All right. So we're going to set the stage here. Uh, most of you have probably heard, if not, breaking news, this just in. Today was the day to put in the final bids if you're trying to buy the Broncos. And that actually, the deadline passed 18 minutes ago. So I'm sorry, guys, but you're too late to buy the Broncos if you're just hearing this now. Um, there, there's like five groups. Forbes reported that Rob Walton's going to get it. Um, but we don't need to dig in the details. Basically saying the same things we've always known, which is that he has a ridiculous amount of money, and if he wants the Broncos, he's going to get the Broncos. Uh, it's going to be around $4.5 billion. Those aren't the points, though. The point is this. If Rob Walton buys the Broncos, there's a good chance he's going to buy a new stadium or build a new stadium. You don't buy stadiums. They're not just sitting around. It's like, oh, here's a here's a dome in Wheat Ridge. that you No, that's not how it works. You build your own, um, and you build your own because it's a lot of fun, not because the other stadium is bad. It's not. You know, does it live up to what the Raiders or the – Cowboys or the Rams have no it's it's not the best stadium in the NFL but guess what you go to a stadium there you sit down you watch the game and you leave and you never once think hmm what a bad stadium you might even think wow these sunsets are gorgeous or "Ooh, I like the way the your the feet echo when you stomp you know that's that's always fun it's a, it's a good place it's a good place it does not need to be renovated it could be updated a little bit it could be but it does not need to be torn down and replaced. But, again, if you have $60 billion in cash sitting around and you have a football team, why not blow $5 billion to create the new greatest stadium in the NFL? And on top of that, to build all around it, right? To build hotels next door, to build restaurants all around, to build condos. People love building condos these days. You know, just make this entire, basically, own Broncos city Probably out by the airport, but who knows where exactly it'd go. Um, and because all of these factors are kind of conjoining, it does seem like Rob Walton, within the next few years, is going to be building the Broncos a new stadium. And uh, there's a lot that comes with it. Um, and so there's a couple points I want to make. But Oh, I forgot to say the important part. If they wind up building on the same spot that they currently are, which is unlikely. It is unlikely. They probably want to go somewhere where there's more land and they could, you know, just develop and develop and develop and build suburbs and, and everybody lives there. And then all of a sudden they make maybe even more money off of that than they do on actually owning the Broncos. It's what all the super owners these days are doing. It's, uh, it's very unlikely that they'll try to build on the same site. Um, uh, and just to explain how they could come to that conclusion, Rob Walton, you may recognize the name Walton. Uh, it's because he's one of the sons of the guy who started Walmart. Um, and I think it's one of the daughters of the guy who started Walmart. She married Stan Kroenke. And so that's where a lot of the Kroenke money came from. Stan Kroenke, for those of you who don't know, owns the LA Rams, owns Arsenal, but also the Nuggets and Avalanche who play at Ball Arena, which is very close to where the Broncos play now. We know that in that part of Denver, they're going to be building up, you know, basically what we were talking about before, um, condos and restaurants and bars, and it's going to be this whole little hip new scene. Um, and like part of it's going to be in the parking lots, the current parking lots at Ball Arena. Um, that, uh, that's actually something that I think we learned in the last month or so. But a year or two ago, I think two years ago, they announced plans to move Elitch Gardens, the amusement park right there, to a different location. 
and to build that all up into what they're calling the River Mile, which again is going to be, you know, $1,500 a month studio apartments and up and all that other stuff. So they're building all this stuff up right there. And because there's that family tie, you could see how there's a path for Rob Walton to keep the Broncos downtown to, to kind of do that same thing, build up those parking lots. Who knows? I'm not sure if there's real estate around there that's available for sale. Um, but I do know that Rob decided that he was going to move to Cherry Hills Village, which, again, for, if you're an out-of-towner, you might not know, that's where the super rich people live. Like, that's where Russell Wilson lives. That's where uh, Peyton Manning lives. That's where John Elway lives. Um, I'm not sure if Mike Shanahan still has a house. I, I, he might have sold that house to Peyton. I know, he, I think... Peyton was living in that house. I don't know. If you have a lot of money and you're in this area, odds are you're probably in Cherry Hills. But but he decided he needed a mansion there. So what he did was he didn't just buy one. Well, he did. I think he actually bought two. But they were on four separate pieces of property, um, none of which were up for sale. Sounds like he just went up to him and was like, hey, we want all this. We want to live here. We want to build our super mansion. Can you just sell us your stuff and we're buying your neighbor's land as well. That's the kind of stuff he can do. And if he can do that there, I don't know why he couldn't do that in the areas around where the current stadium is. And on top of that, you do have the parking lots that I think they're already planning on renovating. I think they've already announced that stuff. And by renovating, I mean build condos with restaurants at the bottom of them. Um, so you do see how there is the path to keep that piece of land there it probably isn't the most profitable option it'd be an option that people here really like because they want the broncos in denver you know i, mean, I know i'm biased because i live right in the middle of denver and it's nice to be able to scooter on over get an eight dollar uber before the game i'm um, still like a 30 dollar uber back from the game but you scooter back or something a lot better than the 120 dollar uber that you'd be taking back from a, a stadium that's out by the airport is how i look at it um so they're setting the scene, and that's way too much of the, the background, probably. But the point is this. If the Broncos were to decide to build a new stadium at the current location, could they wind up playing at Folsom Field? And the answer to that question is yes. There's a world in which it happens, although it seems unlikely. Because, again, you have to remember, odds are they aren't going to build on that location. Even if they do build on that location, the way that it worked when they built this stadium was that they just built it next to the other stadium. And when it was done, they demolished the other stadium. And that'd probably be the plan here. But you never know with these billionaires. And again, this is a scenario that was suggested to me by somebody on Twitter. I don't like saying people's names on Twitter from the DMs because you're just like, ah, you know, let's... Uh, I, some people don't want the, that stuff given out. Um, but he did throw in the other part. Chicago, when the Bears built the their new stadium, they played the university or at the University of Illinois, which is a couple hours away from Soldier Field. Um, and I guess they didn't rebuild it; they just renovated the inside. Um, and is it possible? And again, the way it would work is this, and the reason CU would want to do it is because the Broncos would upgrade it. You remember when the the Rams played at USC Stadium, which again is different. It's the LA Coliseum. There's, it's not. I don't know. It feels wrong. There is more history there. There is more history there, and that's not a slight on Folsom. Folsom is incredible, but I mean, they had like the Olympics and all that stuff there. So so you do have that part, and there's more seats, and 
what they did though is they upgraded the big board they upgraded the sound system they they really did overhaul it and the point and the message is that CU could use that sort of help right now it's not a school that I mean the athletics department has quite a bit of money it doesn't have very much money at all compared to Georgia and Bama and even a school like a USC probably so it would be nice to live in a world where CU is the the temporary home of the Denver Broncos for let's say two seasons while they build a new stadium on the site of the current stadium um, and you know they renovate the sound system they renovate the west side of the stadium which they haven't been able to do they build a new big screen and and who knows maybe there's more seating added maybe there's some of that stuff as well um, it would be very beneficial and you know I was actually talking to somebody from CU as well um, which which is ironic because I was doing I had that conversation probably like uh, let me I can guess I can check I was at two this conversation was at oh like five minutes before it's just a long message I was like fifteen minutes before um but basically saying like yeah it'd be nice if we had that Walton money we got to find a way to get in with the Waltons it's like yep if there's a way because the Waltons are now in town to get some of that money to see you. Like, get one of the kids to just say, you know what? I want a project as well. I want to make CU good, and I just want to give a bunch of money out and, and be that guy. I want to be the Mick Ruiz or whatever, um, the Miami guy who's the face of NIL right now. I want to be that, but for CU, it would be nice. And again, like, there's a path for it to happen. The Waltons are spending more and more time in Colorado. This is only going to add to that. Um, and I think there's maybe one of Rob's sons already lives in Boulder. There's there's something like that. There are boulder ties already. So there is there is a chance. And who knows? Maybe maybe there's a way for this partnership to work. I would like it, obviously. I imagine you listening would like it. I wonder, is there a case against that? I don't think there is. I don't think there is a case against the Broncos using that field on Sundays for two years. Not with all the upgrades that would come in. I don't think there's a single case. I guess there's, I think there's like a church that's across the street, like that's kind of like half on campus. I bet the people who go to that church would be like mildly inconvenienced. They'd be significantly inconvenienced on Sundays. You know, they're not used to Sunday stuff. They're used to Saturdays when, you know, that's not, not big church day, at least as far as I know. I'm not the expert there. But, um, I, uh, I really don't think there's any reason that the buffs would say no. It's, just that there's almost no possibility at all that the Broncos have a need to go there. Um, again, just to one more time go through that path, the Rob Walton needs to say, we're first of all, we're building a stadium, which I think there's probably a 90% chance he builds a stadium if he buys the team within, say, five years or so. Um, that needs to happen. He needs to say, we're keeping the team at the current location, I think there's probably a 20% chance that that part happens. So we're down to an 18% chance overall. Um, from there, you have to say we're building it on the same spot. You know, where we need to we need to tear this stadium down in order to build the new one. It's like, yeah, that one, say a one in three chance is probably fair. Somewhere between a third and 50%. Just because I don't... Well, the... The one time this has happened before, they said we're just going to build next to it and deal with it later. Um, and that's the one data point I have. I don't know what goes into those decisions. Obviously, like you lose parking. Maybe they want to get a head start on building the other stuff. Um, so we'll say one in three 
although that is probably the toughest number to pin down of all of these. Um, so now you're saying we take that 18% chance, make it a 6% chance. Now, at this point, the Broncos are looking at a home for two years. What are the options? Fort Collins has that new stadium. Folsom is an option. Air Force has a stadium. Uh, Dick's Sporting Good Parks Park is an option out there. Um, that's got to be it, right? Um, I would say that the only two real options are Fort Collins and Folsom. What is that? What is the Fort Collins football stadium called? It's something. It's some credit union. Fort Collins, as Googled, has a 41,000 max capacity. It's typically like 36,000, but I guess they have like some sort of alternate seating they can bring in. Folsom is at 50,000, 51,000, 50,183. So you get more seats in there. Um, it's closer. Obviously, the the stadium up in Fort Collins is newer. I would say Folsom has a pretty clear edge. Do we say 50 just to include the fact they could go to Dick's Sporting Good Park? You know, that was obviously really popular, the, the soccer stadium that the, uh, the, the, the Chargers played at out in L.A. for a minute. But with the... 20,000 or so capacity. I just don't think you could justify it, especially because it's only 20 minutes closer. I guess their facilities are out east a little bit. So would the from the facilities is that close? I don't think so. I think I think Boulder is definitely in the lead. Let's say 60% chance, which 60% so what's 0.6 times 0.06? So that leaves us with about a 3.5% chance. So there is our official number on this situation. There is a 3.5% chance that the Broncos play at Folsom for a season or two while they build a new stadium uh, at some point in the near future. So um, I guess the other way to look at it is there's a 96.5% chance that we just wasted 20 minutes of your time, which... There's a 96.5% chance I'll feel sorry about. So uh, I think that's all we have for today. I think that's all we have for today. Um, moral of the story, hopefully we get the Broncos at Folsom. It'd be great for CU. Um, hopefully we get a Walton who falls in love with CU. It would be great for Folsom and CU and all of that stuff. And uh, is that it? I think that's it. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we're talking about the Minnesota game. We were actually going to do that today, but these avalanche game days, you know, you just, it feels like the, with it's six o'clock puck drop, that's so much time. But then you're like, okay, so six o'clock. So I should get to the bar like four 30. If I want a place to sit, uh, I, I could go like work from there before I've got to get this other stuff done. Oh, the guy in the Madden league wants to play. We'll do that as well. Um, get that out of the way before tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be wide open. I need to get to the barber at some point this week. He doesn't work Tuesdays, so that's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, I uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, I'm really bad at goodbyes, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, that's going to do it for today. I will see you all on tomorrow. It's going to be a big day. Minnesota, big <laughs> fun things. I'm through the first quarter of that game. Not fun, uh, but there are some fun little notes. And we don't we shouldn't get into these, but I think there was it was like their second pass of the game. Or maybe it was the I don't have the notes in front of me. It might have been the first pass, but like the second RPO. Um we've been talking about how the Bronco or sorry, the Puffs ran that cover one all year. 
It's like cover one hole, cover one. They, they, they throw a couple different tweaks into it. Um, but basically man coverage with the safety deep. Sometimes Nate playing the middle of the field, the short zone there. Um, this RPO, I swear, I think it was the second RPO they called, which again, RPO heavy offense up there at Minnesota. Two wide receivers out to the left. Um, lined up pretty tight together. Outside guy runs a quick slant. Inside guy, only by like two, three steps. Takes a step outside, a couple steps upfield, then runs a slant. And so the, the RPO, the read is to that second guy. So you can either run the ball, hand it off while you're having the ball in the guy's belly. You're looking out there to see if it's open. With the idea being that, that second guy, he's going to be wide enough that neither of those middle of the field defenders are going to be on him. So it's just about leverage with that cornerback. Is he outside? And so because he's starting inside, he's able to get outside tweak that leverage, get him moving that way, cut back in, just a beautiful play design. And that's the type of stuff that makes the Minnesota offense so fun. There's flaws with it, obviously. I think Mike Sanford would say there's plenty of flaws with it as well. Um, But, you know, that's the type of stuff that Mike Sanford has in his bag. And just that sort of game planning to see that, oh, they're going to be running this cover one hole. So what are our options? Well, first of all, we either throw outside to get away from where there's extra defenders, extra pass defenders, or we pull the defenders inside and final gimmicky way to get this kind of outside, but working back in. It's a, those guys did their homework. Those guys did their homework and that's a good sign for the buffs, but we're going to dig into more of that stuff tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. I'm fired up for it. And this has been the world's longest goodbye. So we'll just stop right here right now. See you tomorrow.